Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. This is the Clutter Fairy Weekly for July 20th, 2021. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, certified professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly is a webcast and podcast where we dig deep into the clutter that stands between people and the lives they want to be living. We aim to make sense of where so much stuff comes from in the first place, and we offer strategies to slow down the accumulation, reduce the collection, and comfortably manage the stuff you choose to keep. We rely heavily on the questions and topic suggestions we get from you, our viewers and listeners. If you're joining us in the Zoom meeting for the first time, you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and I'll try to make sure Gail addresses them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature to let me know if you'd like to make a comment or ask a question yourself via audio or video. And we are streaming the webcast live on Facebook, so you can share your questions and comments there, and I'll relay them to Gail. And during the webcast every Tuesday, you can call us at 669-900-6833, use meeting ID 993-419-863, and password clutter to join the meeting. We will start, as usual, by following up on last week's weekly title, which was called Turning Priorities into Plans. The assignment was to apply to a single room or portion of a room the first prioritizing principle we talked about last week, which was to get clear on the use or purpose that you wanted the space to serve and the uses or purposes that you don't want it to serve. We want to hear from our participants in Zoom and Facebook did anybody analyze a space in terms of its purpose this week? And did that change anything about the way you see your organizing challenges in that space? Change how you were going to plan that project to be executed. Connie said, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans, I think is how, how it goes. Right. We'll circle back to see whether anybody has any feedback on the tittle. There was not much on that one in the YouTube comments this week. I think that was a little too... Um, I don't know, advanced level this week? What do you think? You guys can do it. I'm sure you can do it. Take a stab at it and see what happens. <laughs> well, let's get to our main topic. Careful packing for a move can save you time and money. Doing packing right can make or break your move, but how you unpack can set the tone for your life in your new space for years to come. Today, we're going to talk about strategies for unpacking a recent move or the remnants of an old one to optimize your use and enjoyment of your new space. Most people geared themselves up for a move and they do all the packing, make all the arrangements, run donations around, etc. They get through the move, they watch the movers deliver all the stuff, and then everybody collapses on the nearest flat surface. They treat the arc of the move as if it ends when the movers leave the house and they're in the new place. And there's the fallacy in that move plan. You're really only halfway there when the movers leave. All that stuff that you packed up now has to be unpacked again. All the deconstruction of your home has to be reversed. Did you take time off after the move to do that? If you have to go straight back to work, do you have unpacked day plan, days planned like you had packed days planned? Generally, I find this is where my clients' moves fall apart. All the effort on the front end and no plan at all for the back end. In addition, the process of packing is not the same as unpacking. During the packing part of the process, you are focused on getting everything boxed well, 
donating what can be given away and making sure every cabinet and drawer is emptied. Unpacking is not just about reversing that process and jerking everything back out of the box. You need a plan for setting up the house, which room will serve what function, where various categories of items will be stored, how best to use the storage that you have. You have to think about how the house is laid out and the storage is contained and then about what you own and where it makes sense to place it. The average move uses 60 boxes. And if your house was large or well stuffed, it'll be more than that. You have to plan to undo those 60 boxes now. Most people madly unpack without a thought. They just start throwing things in the nearest closet or drawer and then they're surprised when they can't find something or there's no room to put anything away. So today we're gonna to go over some strategies for making unpacking go better. The first thing to do is to talk about the unhelpful ways that you unpack. Most people rush through it because they're very impatient to get back to normal life at the cost of a lot of future headaches. Undoing those boxes in a hurry and slinging things at the first available place just creates a different kind of mess you have to clean up on the back end. So piling up a bunch of new deferred decisions as in making clutter piles because you don't want to put the time and effort in now to decide how you're going to use your space. Creating uh, new deferred decision piles on this end is just going to create immediately things in your way so that you can't function in your new house. Some people like to focus on getting everything merely out of sight versus putting it away where it belongs. So they, they have a box, they open it, they start taking contents out and they look around and where's the nearest cabinet drawer surface space where things can be tucked in and they just tuck things away without thinking about what they have in their hand and whether it makes sense to go whether, where they see that they're putting it. Again, you're just sort of making Tetris and a lot of the jobs that I go to work on after, within a year or two after a move has been completed is me rearranging the deck chairs. I go in and move everything around into places that are logical versus the illogical places that thing got, things got thrown when people were unpacking. And the, the last unhelpful way to unpack is leaving it as an unpack job that is incomplete. If you leave those last 10 or 15, 20 boxes that you're gonna do later, I'll do them later, because you're out of steam, because you're exhausted, because you have to go back to work. What you're really doing is seeding your first pile of unidentified clutter and wondering where the hell that blah, blah, blah thing is that you can't find. And truthfully, it's in the last 15 boxes somewhere. You just haven't unpacked everything yet. So you're sort of a, by not unpacking every single box, you're sort of creating some inherent mysteries for yourself. Like where are those things? And you're stashing some boxes in the corner to start mocking you in the new house. Like if you show up for an unpacking project, which would you prefer as a professional organizer to come in and find a whole lot of boxes or to find that they've taken everything out of boxes, but nothing is where it's supposed to be. So it's easier for me as an organizer, if the house is still empty, if all the storage and cabinets are still empty and everything's still in boxes, because then I unpack and put away in the, in the right place. And as I unpack, I'm making evaluative decisions about, okay, so you have 47 sets of plates, but you only have two shelves for plates. So I need to have a conversation right now about, 
whether all this is really necessary yeah and whether we need to thin the herd so it's easier for me to have those discussions as i go through the process of pulling things out and trying to put them away well what i'm trying i think draw attention to is avoiding the fallacy of well i took it all out of boxes nothing's in boxes anymore so now i've unpacked now you're unpacked Well, okay. And it does remove all of the packing material, the boxes and all the stuffing and wrapping that you've used. And that has some volume and getting that out of the house means you're not looking at boxes, but man, I shudder to think when everything, and and that's what movers, if you pay movers to unpack, they won't put anything away. They will just unwrap everything and put, take it out of the boxes and take all the boxes and wrapping material away. And then you're left with all the contents of everything you own sitting out on some flat surface somewhere waiting for you to deal with it. So I think you just have created, <laughs> you've created a sort of a moving, a walking minefield where every surface has stuff loose and the boxes are gone. So you can either walk around the boxes or you walk around the piles of stuff sitting out waiting for you to pay attention to it. So here are some principles for unpacking. If you followed a system as you packed, don't abandon the system now. Keep your inventory or your list of boxes handy and move the boxes to the rooms where their contents belong before you open anything. The movers do the best they can, but they also roll in four boxes at a time on a dolly to get the job done fast. So some of those boxes will end up in the wrong room. If you go through all the boxes and verify they're in the correct room before you start opening and packing things, then unpacking and planning for the use of the new room will go smoother. Most people unpack about half the boxes and then they start declaring things are lost or stolen by the movers. But you can't blame the movers you haven't unpacked all of the boxes because whatever is missing will be in the last five boxes that you open. You'll only make more work for yourself if you unpack items in a room where they don't belong and then you have to like carry them around and move them out of the way while you're making the decisions in the room that you're in. If you've gone to all the trouble to pack the boxes well and label them well for the right room and what the contents are, then use that data that you've got and your inventory of boxes and go looking to make sure that they're all in the correct room to start with. The next thing you need to do for this process to go smoothly is to plan your unpacking. Decide what days and times and which family members or friends or professional organizer will be working to help you unpack. You want to sort and arrange the boxes so that the higher priority stuff can be handled first and the lower priority stuff can be handled later. Pay attention to any problems that become obvious as you place boxes in the room where they'll be unpacked, such as a room that will have to be adjusted for a dramatic downsize. Like maybe you're trying to get all the boxes into the room where the stuff's going to go and all the boxes won't fit or the room is completely stuffed. So you may have to do a little bit more downsizing than you thought. Think about contents that were stored in built-ins in the old place, but don't have a space allocated in the new place because you don't have the same kind of built-ins anymore and you have to come up with a new solution. Decide how and where you'll dispose of all the boxes as you empty them. Go and post on your social media accounts. Go on next door and see who needs moving boxes. Ask who's gonna need moving boxes in the future. Flatten them all for easier storage and then easier transport for the person that's coming to get them until they can be passed to the next person. I take away boxes from my clients because inevitably I have a unpacked this month 
And next month, somebody's starting to pack and I can take a whole bunch of boxes over and pass them on to the next person. So, and you don't have to give one person all the boxes. You can unpack 20 boxes and offer them up and unpack 20 boxes and offer them up. And if the 20 boxes go to, you know, three different people, you're still getting rid of all the boxes. So um, you can dispose of them in smaller chunks if that makes it easier for you to live in the space and be more comfortable. You want to start the unpacking by finding the box or boxes that you labeled as essential or open me first. These might include important papers, current bills that need to be handled, anything collected at the last minute. So they were probably things that you were using right up to the night of the, before the move, like medications or the family calendar, a small supply of household products and toilet paper. Um, the coffee pot is probably on that list. <laughs> the, the linens that oh, were on the bed yeah. the night before, right? The linens that were on the bed right before the movers came. In rentals, you have to think about the shower curtain. Well, I guess it's probably true in moving into a house too. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. shower curtain. We need to take a shower so bad. Where's the shower curtain, right? <laughs> so find those essential open me first boxes. And you probably took a shower the night before you left the house and then took the shower curtain down and threw it in one of the last boxes. And so finding that box and opening it back up will solve that problem for you, right? Maybe you pull that kind of stuff down, put it in a piece of luggage so that you could reverse it and open it up on the other end. So then after you've gotten your essential boxes out and everybody can use the bathroom, (laughs) you found all the toilet paper, then you next wanna move on to the key functions. So those are sleep, You wanna set up the beds and unpack enough linens for the first nights in your new space. You wanna unpack a short-term supply of towels, essential toiletries, and a shower curtain, as we talked about. And you wanna think about your morning rituals. So you wanna unpack and set up the coffee maker and whatever kitchen appliances you rely on every morning so that you guys can wake up the first day in the new house and have a cup of coffee and make toast or whatever you need to do to cope, you know, find a bowl and a cereal box so you can (laughs) cereal in the morning making sure that you know you can get in the bed you can take a shower and you can have your coffee in the morning those that doesn't require unpacking everything about those rooms you just need a little bit like you're in a hotel to unpack to be able to do those things first then the first rooms to unpack are the kitchen the bathrooms the bathrooms are going to be used so I wouldn't put the guest bathroom in that but if you know your bath and the kids bathroom Um, closets and bedrooms so everybody still has to eat bathe get dressed and sleep so your first efforts are best spent here unpacking closets um, particularly does two things it gets you access to your clothes and it gets those huge wardrobe boxes out of there those wardrobe boxes are always the tallest widest biggest most annoying boxes they take up the most space in the room and so focusing on the closet first gets you back in your clothes and gets those wardrobe boxes out of there, which is really important. Pay attention in the kitchen to how much you own and how much space you have. Don't shove it all in there. You're in this room every day using it. Think about what you want to go where based on how you use it. The family needs easy access to your everyday plates, glasses, and silverware. The everyday pots and pans need to live in the easiest places to reach. Use this opportunity to thin out the contents again. Maybe there's more to donate now based on the limit of storage in the new space. Don't store low-use things in good cabinet space that you need in the kitchen to function. 
So we were talking about, you know, stuffing a cabinet until it's 100% full. If you do that in the kitchen, that means that when you try to use the kitchen and get to something, you're going to have to unbuild a storage area to find what you want and then build it back again. How annoying is that? So this is where you want to plan for, here's my tools and equipment that I use all the time to cook and eat in here. And I don't want those cabinets to be overly full. So those low use items need to be considered to stick up in the air, stick over their fridge, stick at the top of the pantry, stick at the bottom of the pantry, stick in the back of the cabinets, go out in somewhere else. Maybe they need to be stored on a shelving unit in the garage or in another room. Basement. So, right in the basement. So just think about, sure, it's all labeled kitchen, but does it actually all need to be in the kitchen for you to have a well-functioning kitchen on the back end? So think about that. Once those rooms are set up, the bedrooms, the closet, the bathrooms, the kitchen. Then you can move on to the family room where everybody's going to gather. Maybe it's where the TV is or the computer systems are or whatever you, whatever you guys come and do in the evening together as a family. Where does everybody go sit and work on that room? Then you're down to all the other rooms, the extra bedrooms, the laundry room, the attic or basement or garage. Those are the, they're either the low use rooms. They're the ones that, um, nobody's clamoring to get into in the moment in the first you know two weeks after the move nobody is desperate to get into the attic <laughs> so it's a it's something that you can organize you know farther down the road mm. there may be a bedroom that is a, an, a home office if somebody's working from home so maybe that is a higher priority than the other extra rooms because you got to get the office set up so somebody can go back to work or you got to get that um, room set up so that the kids can do their studying because they're going back to school. For our moves, since I run the business from home, there's always one of the one of the open me first boxes is always the business in a box. Well, like here we were moving within the same internet provider zone. Oh right. So they told us take this, that, and the other. Just take and, the box, take the router yeah. with you and stuff. Yeah. Well, take this, but don't take this other thing. Well, you know, they didn't tell us, they didn't tell us we didn't need to take the other thing till we got here. And then <laughs> they took it away to put it back. The thing we weren't supposed to, you know, it's. Uh, that's funny. Different. It's fiber optic here. Um, that's a little different from what we were used to. In, in Houston, we didn't have fiber optic to the, to the very building we had you know fiber optic to the complex but then right, some, right. you know coaxial inside the building the files you just absolutely can't do without well it used to be the stapler i handle so much less paper now i can live without a stapler for a week or two right or longer but and you know maybe you have client files with you or maybe you have um you know a work project that you're working on and you have a collection of documents related to that so you know, that would have been one of the essential, essential boxes that you had to unpack to start functioning and getting that room set up would be, you know, an earlier, a more, a higher priority than the extra guest bedroom that nobody's sleeping in. Right. So right. you can leave those till later. Well, and nowadays with so mm -hmm. many people working from, from home temporarily or long-term, the head, the headset for your Zoom meetings. If you do a headset, the, your microphone, microphone if you have a, right. your own microphone, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Exactly. And then the the last thing to say about this is 
don't stop until the project's complete or make a plan to finish it in a reasonable amount of time. Don't forget that unpacking is not the last bit of the moving project. It's really the second half of the project. You may need a mental health or body rest break between phase one of packing and phase two of unpacking of the move, but you'll need the same amount of effort to put the new house together that it took to dismantle the last one. So saddle up kids and get ready for that mentally. Being honest about the amount of work will help you make a more realistic plan to get into and set up in your new fabulous home. We have lots and lots of comments. Um, okay. I want to start with Jen on Facebook who said, love that you share your vast, valuable experience and wisdom with us. Oh, it's all great tips, even if you're not moving, just for living life and simplifying. And that's a good point. That's why we talk about moving and packing and unpacking fairly regularly as a strategy you know even if you even if you aren't planning a move it's sort of a strategy for how to think about your space yeah it's a it's a way to go circle back and go yeah i moved in 20 years ago and i absolutely did not think about it for a second and <laughs> you throw everything up in the move and then uh, 20 years later those things are still in the place that you threw them up in your desperate exhausted state and nobody's ever gone back and thought about it. And so it's a great way to go, yeah, if I'd been thinking about it, maybe I would have done this instead of what I did. And so now you can go back and circle back and make changes. Lewis uh, asked, if my dining room is full of bags of bags, is that a sign that I'm living with a hoarder? And then- <laughs> Empty well, bags of bags, you mean? I, that's, what it sound, that's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And Joyce said, I hope not my tote bags have grand baggies. So this is a problem that I see, you know, groceries come home and now that we're getting all these grocery delivery things, then there's like a whole bunch of bags related to that. And everybody gives away tote bags for free and stores give away nice bags and nobody wants to get rid of the bags. So basically they're just creating a temporary solution for you to carry things home. And then you end up with a bag problem like everybody does. So what I tell people to do is a take the grocery bags and go find a food pantry or a food bank somewhere. They always need bags and I'm sure that they could use them. And then anybody that's doing any kind of food distribution as a uh, charity thing, any kind of, anybody that's doing any kind of, I'm providing meals, I'm sending out food or staples. I'm letting people come and pick up food. They can always use bags. And then I also recommend that people use them to put their donations in. Um, generally, if somebody's working on decluttering the house, they're taking a bunch of stuff to Goodwill and they try to put them in boxes and then the boxes are big and awkward to carry and they're hard to get in and out of the car and blah, blah, blah. So it's easier to use those reusable bags, um, put donations in them and hand them in to Goodwill or to wherever in a reusable bag or in one of your uh, paper grocery bags. That's much easier for you to carry, first of all, and then it's easier for them. It goes in and out of the car easier, but it's easier for them to manage on the back end um, for them to move them around and deconstruct them and put them in categories. They're working with a smaller container. So <clears throat> you can get rid of them with uh, finding your source of who is giving away, selling away, <clears throat> stuff all the time and needs bagging. 
a resale store might want them. Texas Art Asylum asks people for um, the handle bags that uh, shopping bags, when people use shopping bags and they have, you wouldn't use them as gifts because they have advertisement or the, they have the store name or whatever on the outside of them, but they're perfectly reasonable bags. And so uh, they want those handle bags because they reuse them, recycle them as their uh, shopping bags when people buy stuff. So they fill up and hand them back out again. So they get reused that way. Um, paper bags, of course, can be reused for recycling. So use a paper bag, stuff recycling in it, go, and then you throw the whole thing away and the bag gets recycled along with its contents. There's always a way to get rid of bags. And assuming that the volume of bags that are coming in, that you can use them all is unrealistic. Unless you're operating some store out of your house, you're not going to be able to use up all those bags. So finding a regular way to recycle, um, repurpose those bags is a good, it's worth the effort to figure it out and find somebody in your neighborhood or area that can take a big bundle and happily take a big bundle of bags away from you. So Lewis also <laughs> asked, if my girlfriend has 200 bread closure tabs, is that a sign that she is a hoarder? And then Diana on Facebook said, trying to minimize, but how do you live with a person who loves to maximize? Always give the disclaimer that we are not mental health professionals. Health professionals yes. And even if we were, we wouldn't want to diagnose at a distance. But could you talk a little bit about the diagnosis and if somebody feels like they're living with a hoarder, how they should proceed? Having a collection of twist ties is not necessarily a sign of being a hoarder, but without knowing way more details, uh, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't know the answer to that question exactly. And, but I mean, I, if I think they're asking the question because they want to know, can I call her a hoarder or not? And I think that isn't the biggest problem. It, it, being able to say she's a hoarder doesn't help you exactly. <laughs> what you really need is to negotiate about how the living space is. And so being able to label somebody a hoarder uh, doesn't mean that then you get to say, okay, so you got to get rid of stuff because you have too much stuff. I think that's a pathway of trying to figure out how can I negotiate better about um, how much stuff is in the house and how I want to be living. So that's a whole another conversation for us to have about negotiating with your person that you live with and what's motivating them. And is it really a collection? Are they really thinking through? Are they doing it out of habit? Like maybe she just saves all the twist ties because her mother saved all the twist ties and she has a big collection. I don't know what the rest of the house looks like, but maybe having a conversation about what's the motivation. Is it really just a habit that she hadn't thought about for a while? Is she being motivated by the idea that these are useful and I have a hard time letting go of things that are still useful? Having those exploration conversations would be necessary for me to give advice about how to cope at this point. But it sounds like you're in the middle of a disagreement about how much stuff needs to be in the space and what kinds of stuff and why you would, she wants a bigger volume than you want, or she wants to save useful things and you're, you find it easier to throw them away. And so we'd have to talk about that in more detail. 
it is the problem that every couple faces, right? Is that they live together and they don't have exactly the same concept of what is enough, how much is enough, why to save things, how much is enough to save, that kind of stuff. And so um, we have to negotiate about that. Well, and you both come with your your baggage, both right. physical and emotional. And, and mm -hmm. so you each have your own ideas about what you can't live without and what feels safe, what feels and, and um, sometimes you know, you're, appropriate. Sometimes habits of thought and, and um, inherited behaviors. Yeah, processes. Thing, you know, we, we always had, we always kept this around. We always kept a supply of these. We always shopped in bulk for this. Mm -hmm. um, and it may, in, inevitably, the way that you do it and the way that your partner does it won't be the same exactly. So trying to negotiate a new way that works for both of you is really the process that you're trying to reach here. Yeah. And if you get nowhere with negotiation, but you want to move forward, then, then, you know, maybe, then maybe you involve some kind of counseling and start from there. And yeah. And there is a, um, there is a visual, uh, rendition of a hoarding, like a scale that the, it, Institute for Challenging Disorganization has developed when it was the National Study Group on Chronic Disorganization. And they've changed their name and moved on a little bit, but the, uh, they created this visual chart with photographs of levels of a room from functioning to very high level hoarding. And so it's a way for you to compare density by photograph to your own space and see where you sort of fall on a potential hoarding scale. And so um, it might be useful to do a little research into hoarding and symptoms of hoarding and what that looks like. And we can promise to post into the show notes, the link to that particular photo evaluation and a little bit else for you to pursue in case Great idea. that would help you. Um, get some better information based on, cause you can see your whole house and you know what, the, what the issues are and what kind of arguments you've been having and what her resistance level is. And with that in mind, you can read the materials and look at the photograph and have a better sense of whether this needs professional intervention or not there. <laughs> I hate it when I can't, uh, you know, make the answer easy and, and short for everybody and yeah it's when you start talking about hoarding then it's a very it starts to be much more complicated jan on facebook said i have too much stuff that i'm working on to minimize but it's the useful mentality i am working with and adhd new recent diagnosis at 73 years old oh my I goodness feel, but i feel hurt by people referring to these difficulties as being a hoarder People throw the throw the word around pretty casually. People who are showing up here are mostly not hoarders. And really are sort of chronically disorganized. So right. there's a clinical diagnostic line between I've been ADHD and therefore my attention has, uh, you know, moved around all the time and I live in sort of a chronic state of disorganization. That's a different um, level of management versus the diagnostic line of I have... I have been diagnosed with 
uh, hoarding syndrome. And that's a whole different ball of wax. So if you've never been diagnosed with ADHD and you're just figuring that out, I'm sure you're going through that whole process of, oh my God, that explains so much about my life. <laughs> so it, it, and having sort of physical surroundings of chaos is one of the side effects that happens when ADHD sort of goes unchecked without um, great coping mechanisms. And so um, I'm not surprised that you're living. And, you know, there's also the, yes, it's mean when people say that you are a hoarder when they're really, they're really saying there's a lot of chaos around you and they're not being very careful with their words. And so we will say that unless you've been diagnosed with that, uh, I would say you should consider yourself chronically disorganized unless a professional tells you otherwise. <laughs> and in the meantime, they're just being, you're, the people in your life are being, they're banning the word around because it's easy and popular. And so <clears throat> just know that they're not the professionals. They don't know what they're saying. They don't have the ability to diagnose you. And so they just can't call anybody that clutters a hoarder. That's not appropriate. It's a casual insult from someone who is more, a little more organized or has a, a lower threshold for clutter mm -hmm. to a person who's less organized and, or has a higher threshold for clutter. And yeah, and they're being a little judgy and they need to stop it. <laughs> don't, don't take it to heart. Right. Yeah. Don't take it to heart. Just come and listen to us talk about how you can address it. So, and I will tell you that um, you should go get the book um, because you're new, newly diagnosed ADD ways to organize ADD friendly ways to organize. Um, it is a great book and it is a, a wonderful, you can open it anywhere and read and get some ideas. It's, you don't have to read it front to back. It's designed for ADD readers. And so um, it is a great way to get tips that help you try to organize when you're coming from a place of ADD. And since you're newly diagnosed, I'm guessing that you don't have a lot of, you haven't developed a lot of coping mechanisms to get around the, um, to work with the ADD brain and how it functions. And so this is a good place to start so that you can be working on your stuff and working with how your brain works. And that's how this book is designed. So totally worth it. So in uh, reports on last week's tittle, Maureen says, I selected my side of the master bath sink and was successful in clearing out clutter. Yay. And that Yay. there's a, it sounds like there's a story there too, my side. <laughs> and that's great. Well, and you know, it's also respectful to only do your side and not do somebody else's side. Like you get to control your space, they get to control their space. And so it was respectful of you to only do your side. And, you know, sometimes you do the whole, um, uh, you organize by osmosis, <laughs> by example, well, you, you organize your space and it makes somebody else go and organize their space. You, so you model, you model good behavior, right? You, you be the change you wish to see in your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you model the, you know, the possibility of tackling the project and getting to the end, getting, uh, getting some improvement from the work. Sometimes people just can't imagine they're going to do any work and get anywhere. And if you are able, you are able to get in there and make some improvements and declutter and there you go. It's fabulous. And so 
you're showing that with a little effort, you can have this instead of that. <laughs> Good for you. Dawn says this past week was the whole reflooring project and the carpeting oh. is done. I've been rethinking the priorities and plans for this new space, new space in quotation marks, even though we haven't moved. So Dawn is applying the, you know, we've, we've got to make a big change. So let's act like we're moving. Well, and they had to move everything out in order to put the new floor in. And so, you know, we know you dismantled the room. So this is the perfect time to just not put it all back how it was. Pause and rethink the layout and what you want to do in there and how you want to use the room and the furniture and whatever. And then you can start putting things back. And so you can, um, you know, refresh the room in every way, not just the floor. It'll be part of redesigning and redoing this room to make a plan about where the stuff is going to be. So good for you. It's a perfect jo time to do it. Joyce said, I tried to schedule declutter time for my tittle, but wasn't terribly motivated or successful. I did, however, read Marie Kondo's books with an open mind. So hey. that's, that's what we call structured procrastination. Right? <laughs> when you av avoid the thing you're supposed to be working on by doing something else that's worthwhile. And you know what? If you read the book and it helped you, um, if you are letting those thoughts roll around in your head and modify how you view things, that's fine. We are not grading your tittle. <laughs> so <laughs> it's okay right. if you couldn't get to it. <laughs> I think you get you get at least a B plus if you even give it some thought during the week. Right. There you go. Yeah, you get an A-plus if you report back to us at the end. Lise said, using part of living room for art area and readjusting in the space. I am really having trouble with reducing the supplies to fit in the smaller area. Yeah, that is a problem, right? So, um, A, think of it like you're laying out the kitchen. If you're using a smaller area in the living room, that means you can have less stuff there. So... If you want the things that you want to put in that room in the living room space should be the stuff that you're actively using and that you actively need to source as materials for what you're working on. And then the next thing is to think about the things that you aren't actively sorting, right? The things that you don't actually have to get into and use when you're trying to do your artwork, your craft stuff and decide if there's some categories like are these extra tools? Are these extra supplies? Are these, uh, is this stuff related to a craft that I'm not doing right now? So maybe those things just need to be boxed and stored elsewhere instead of crowbarred into the living room. Or those categories can be re-evaluated for whether they actually need to stay in your possession. Like set up all the things you're actively using and then see what's on the outer edge of this of that pile that didn't doesn't make sense to be actively using and then reevaluate re that stuff do i actually need to keep this can i make this collection smaller can i pull out the the cream of the crop the the richest 20% of it and let the rest of it go can i box it label it and stick it in a a, a closet in the garage waiting for me to come back to it well and so, you've mentioned before for art and craft spaces that one big 
category that can maybe go somewhere else is your reference and inspiration stuff your magazine your magazines and your books all the books all the project plans all of the you know magazines for your crafts all that kind of stuff absolutely it they don't need to be in that living room space if there's not enough room for it find a bookshelf somewhere else and go park those somewhere else and consider you know whether you can thin that herd as well in answer to dawn's uh comment about her floor flooring project joy said i need to redo my flooring but still have far too much clutter to prepare for it and i like dawn's answer a lot she said joyce my husband thought i did too but i was determined to make this all happen after all i was the one who did all of the packing there were six weeks before the job was actually scheduled so i had time to do some decluttering lots of paper especially and organizing in boxes and bins, like with like. Now I'm continuing the process. Right. If you got it all out of the way so they could do it, then you know you can do some of the move, some of the clear out work before they come, move everything out of the way, and then you do more going back. And so, um, definitely evaluate as you go. Don't just put everything up, just like un- any unpacking job make sure that what's going back in the room is stuff you really want. Take this opportunity to face some of your decluttering, organizing, sorting chores and make them happen while the room is disturbed anyway, while it's all in boxes anyway, and see if you can't um, reduce the volume that's going back in. So it'll be cleaner and easier for you on the back end. Connie said, after we moved here about 40 years ago, we still had about five boxes unopened three years later. Ah, right. I always want to issue the challenge to people. If you find the box that you've never had to get into three years later, five years later, and so on, unless it says on the side, important tax documents I must keep forever, maybe you should think about letting it go <laughs> without even looking at it oh. or or hand it off to someone else and say i don't you know i don't want to fall down the hole of digging through this box so would you look at this and make sure there's nothing in it that i that's irreplaceable exactly <laughs> yeah yeah very good point and i think that packing is kind of a fire drill for most people and a lot of times things get shoved into the box and it's a there's a you have a general idea what you think is in the box, but it was an open box and you were in the middle of packing. So God only knows what's actually in the box. And so going through those contents and going, oh yeah, I didn't really need to pack that. You were just scrambling at the last week to get everything in a box. And so there's probably a lot of stuff in there that you can go, oh yeah, I so don't need that anymore. And if you're worried that you're going to keep it all, if you see it, let somebody else, let one of your friends, this is a way one of your friends can help. Let them come over and open the box and, uh, and pull stuff out and then start asking you questions. Like they can look and go, oh yeah, that's a bunch of, you don't need that plastic where I'm putting that right in a, do- in a donation bag. And, and I'm going to no, that's, you don't need that. That's, <laughs> and then they can, oh, look, this looks like this was your grandmother's diary. We probably want to keep that. You know, you can go through and, and vet the contents, let them vet the contents first and make donation bags and let and, someone triage yeah, for you let some triage and find stuff that they think oh this looks like it was a bill that you probably needed in 2018 but you don't need it now 
you you'll be surprised what you find and the one missing you know kitchen tool that you've been wondering where the hell it is it'll be in one of those boxes that got marked you know sort later or uh keepsakes or whatever and somebody went by and threw it in an open box and and that one kitchen tool will be wedged in there in between all the rest of the stuff and nobody knew it was in there so i actually had um about 10 boxes of decor and um breakables, tchotchkes, keepsakes that when I moved into this house, they went into a, a storage closet here and were not uh, on the priority list at all. And I waited about a year and then went back and started unpacking them all. And I was really glad that I did. It made a huge dent in my storage closet to empty them all out. And there was a lot of stuff that I was able to say, yeah, I don't really want that in the new house. I'm ready to let that go. This can, this can be donated. And I was able to put some of it away and get rid of some of it and make the box go out. And it was very satisfying to get rid of the last 10 boxes and be done. And I really, I was glad that I finally was able to face it. I think that there was some stuff related to mom in there and, and some keepsakes and and it was, we moved soon after my mother died. And so it was very, um, I had to get past my emotional response to the boxes, but they were starting to bark at me. That's part of it is they start to bark at me. So um, I was able to do it. And I it was very gratifying to finally say, I'm done. I don't have those boxes hiding in the corner being ignored. I'm now complete. And that was cool. It was a cool thing to accomplish. You think you're used to it. You go put the boxes in the corner and you forget about them. You think you're used to it. But every once in a while you look at them and you go, oh yeah, those are more boxes from the move. And you haven't forgotten them. You've just filed it in the back of your head. And so they're still back there going, you haven't finished unpacking yet. And you'll feel some relief if you finally do. I want to remind those who are watching or listening live that we also have a YouTube channel with more than 150 videos on lots and lots of organizing topics. Visit cfhou.com slash YouTube to find it. While you're there, subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the bell icon next to the subscribe button if you'd like to get notifications when we post new content. Are you ready for the tittle? I'm ready for the tittle. What is the title of the tittle? An unpacking challenge. An unpacking challenge. Okay. If you are in the process of getting ready to unpack, then um, we have a, some, we have a challenge, a tittle for you, and we're going to modify. We're going to give you some options. If it's been a while since you moved or you don't even think you have anything left to unpack. So let us have, we created a version just for everybody. So if you're getting ready for a move, you can start by planning your unmove process. Decide where your furniture is going to go in the new house and not just the furniture. Now's a good time to think about where all of your other stuff, all the contents are going to go and make it, make a plan about that. Oh, I'm going to put the Christmas stuff over here and I'm going to put the linens in here. I know I'm going to put the, the Christmas dishes in that part of the kitchen. I'm going to put the daily wear down here. I'm going to put the pots and pans over there. I'm going to put the bathroom stuff in the bathroom, obviously, but You've got two bathrooms. So what about the medicine cabinet and the medications versus the bath stuff versus the towels? Think your way through the contents and see where they're going to go and think about it in advance of doing it. 
So you have a little bit better thought out plan when you go to do the actual unpacking. If you've moved recently in the last few years, then you wanna look for the box or boxes that remain from your last move. Now's the time to face them, make a date with yourself to open those boxes and deal with the contents. You've let them rest back there for a couple of years. Now it's time to bring them out and see if you can blast through the last five, 10 boxes, whatever you've been stashing in the corner. So even if you don't think that you have anything left to unpack from any move, poke around in your closet, your storage space, the garage or the attic for any unopened box whose contents you've forgotten about. Open it up and evaluate where this, whether this stuff is still something that you want or need. If it's been stored and you have a label on that says tax returns, keepsakes, um, camping gear, whatever, and you've parked it in the corner and left it there for a decade, now's the time to pull it back out and think of it as refreshing your storage. Pull that box out, open it, unpack it, see what's in there, and see if all those things need to stay really, or if some of that stuff can is ready to donate now. Like it's been out there for a while. When you put it in, you thought you needed to keep it, but maybe the decade has gone by and now it's lost its appeal, its usefulness, its necessity in your life. See if you can go unpack some of those boxes and empty them out. It'll help you get the, you know, more storage back back. Okay, we are out of time. So I'm just going to remind everyone that we'll be back next week, same time, Tuesday, July 27th, 2021, <clears throat> at noon US Central Time, live in Zoom and streaming on Facebook. We've got a vacation theme because I'm going to be vacationing the following week. And then Gail has a little time off plan too. And vacation travel means stuffing a week or two of your life into one weight limited suitcase or at the very best, into the cargo space of a car. So in our next episode, we're going to offer strategies for right-sizing your packing to prepare for stress-free vacation travel. We're calling the show Bulky Bags and Itty Bitty Bottles, Organizing for Vacation Travel. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love that title. If you are watching this on YouTube, we'd love for you to join us live. To get notifications about upcoming events, we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com slash meetup. We now have 2,600 members around the world in the, meetup, in the meetup, group. meetup group. That's awesome. You can also follow us on Facebook by going to cfhou.com slash Facebook. And a word about Facebook. Um, the face Facebook only lets you set up a recurring event to go for a year. And so apologies to anyone who didn't, who thought we weren't meeting this week because there wasn't any, another event scheduled. We ran out of events and I didn't notice that until I was today. ready to announce it today. That's Along with everything one, else that went wrong today. One of the, the thousand things that went wrong in trying to get ready for today's show. You can also join our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com slash subscribe. There you go. I love that one. I love how you can see through it. I know, right? It's kind of cool. <laughs> we love to hear from you. So please keep those questions, comments, and topic suggestions coming to us in YouTube, in YouTube comments, on Facebook, or anywhere else that you find us, including the contact form 
at our website, which has been getting a lot of traffic lately. Right. And you can find that website at clutterfairhouston.com. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. We appreciate it, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.